Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tech Done Different. I'm your host, Ted Harrington, and with me here today is our special guest, Samir Ranjan. He's the CTO at Catenate. Samir, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. Pretty excited. Totally. Yeah, me too. And when you and I were chatting the other day, we were talking about, you know, this this idea, this this perspective in career development around tech, which is this, you know, technical scientific field. And yet the key to success oftentimes has to do with more of the soft skills and things that are decidedly not technical, or at least not in the traditional sense of what we might think as technical in the world of computer science. So let me ask you the first question right out the gate. This is an area that you're, you certainly studied and you're, you're an expert in. How do we put the right people in the right roles? I think that's what a lot of leaders are trying to understand. You know, they might get people that they either like or they think are really smart, but maybe they're not necessarily in the right roles. How do we line that up? How do we get the right people in the right roles? Right. So uh, I'll tell you something which is very organic right now in the market, which means like uh, usually post a job and we get like tons of candidates they pour in their resume and then we scroll through their resume. And then finally, we do some like 20, 30 interviews, make two, three offers at the end of the day. The process in interviewing and this complete process is we are not talking about the personality of a person. And when I say personality, I don't mean how they look, how they talk. I mean, what drives them? What is their purpose? Uh, Are they looking for reward or are they looking for a purpose in their life? Let's say I have a company X and I want, uh, it's a startup, right? And I want someone who, who should be like very much purpose driven, who believes in what we are doing, not just looking for the reward. So I will go out and find a person whose personalities and soft skills matches to my requirement. And then let's say like, then I'll look at like his reward, like how, how he looks at the reward. If someone is there who is looking at the reward as the highest priority, I'm pretty much sure that that person won't stick with you until unless you're paying something good to him. And if there is some other offer, which is more rewarding to that person, he or she will jump onto that job. So that's the problem, which is there right now around the world everywhere. And I guess we have created a product around it, which shows you the personality of the person as well as their soft skills. And when you match both of the things, it becomes the best possible outcome for hiring any kind of talent or managing any kind of talent or retaining any kind of talent in any kind of industry. Yeah, the idea of personality profile, I don't know if profiling is the right word, but let's just run with that for a second. The idea of personality profiling has come up a couple of times on this show, and I think it's really, really fascinating because what I'm hearing you say is 
that pay alone isn't going to keep somebody in the right job unless the job resonates with their personality. Is Am I understanding that correctly, what you said? A hundred percent. So uh, I have an example for that. We did one hiring. We did some hiring back in five, five, six months ago. We did some hiring for counselors. Like we were looking at guidance counselor for another product. And we interviewed around 20, 30 people. We got like, we used some mathematic calculations by which we got the soft skills and we got their personality metrics. And when we hired the final hires, the final six people whom we gave the offer, they had the similar personality which was quite fascinating to us. And it got us thinking like, is it just the soft skills or the hard skills that drives the person or is it the personality? And we came to a point that it is a mixture of all three and somewhere along the line, we need to start looking people for their personalities rather than just their hard skills, the soft skills. Because hard skills, I, I believe it's pretty common nowadays if we are talking about the computer science industry. If you look at some uh, undergrad of, fresh graduates, their resume, they will, they must have done similar projects, right? How you will differentiate the similar project? Or if you're looking at someone who has been in industry for, let's say, 10 years, they might have worked in the similar technology for last 10 years. And, and I, I have looked at the resumes, let's say, I have looked at like thousands of resumes for data science uh, uh, individuals, and it looks almost same, almost similar. Then how do you differentiate just based on the hard skill? And then you, when you do the interview, everyone is projecting themselves as the best ever candidate. But the missing piece of the puzzle is you need to understand their soft skills on more granular level where it is much more quantified and you're not just attaining their soft skills on just one conversation. It's something which is quantified. And then there is their personality. As I told you, like what they are looking for, what's, what's their purpose, what drives them, what is their spirit? When you look at all those things, it makes uh, it makes an intelligent hire, I should say, where you you know that what kind of person you're getting into your organization and how you can shape them to become a better professional. I'm not saying they are going to stay with you for next 20 years, 30 years. It might not be true, but you will know at what point they will leave you and you will know how you can make them grow so that they don't leave you just because they didn't get the growth opportunity or they didn't get the right reward which they were looking for. And the reason is you didn't know both answer to both the questions because you didn't know, never know that they're looking for a learning growth or a technical shift or a functional shift. Or are they looking for more reward? Or were they happy with the reward, but you were overpaying them and then they were they got into a mentality where this company is just for they are butchering people and they're giving them more and more money, which is not related to their outlook of reward. So we need to start thinking on those lines because the great resignation is here to stay until we fix this problem. So just to make sure that we don't lose anybody with these different terms. So I've heard you describe, it sounds like three different ideas and correct me if I'm understanding wrong or incorrectly, but it sounds like there's hard skills, there's soft skills, and there's personality. Are those, those are three different things, right? Yeah, you can call it, it's a three-legged three stool. We need to look each of them individually and then combine so that we can make a chair where a person can sit on it. Sure. Okay, so maybe you could help me define what are in each of those three categories. I think that many people probably understand the distinction between hard skills and then everything else. Hard skills being the technical skills required to do a job. Like you need to know how to run a process or whatever. And soft skills, I'm interpreting from what you're saying are, well, why don't you explain it to me? Because I don't want to be wrong about what's the distinction between a soft skill and a personality trait. 
hundred percent. So soft skill. Let's say I, I we have identified soft skills as eighty sub soft skills, and then collected it as a ten major soft skills. Right. So ten major soft skills. Let's say I'll give you some example. That is communication. That is adaptability. That is teamwork. Uh, leadership. So those are few example of soft skills. How it looks like. And then in communication, you can have like written communication, oral communication. Yeah, different types of negotiation and all those things. Now the problem right now is you always say that that guy is a better communicator. But can you say that on a scale of one to ten, oh, he stands at eight. His communication skills are eight or it's five. So we quantified that and we came up with an algorithm which suggests like you give few sprints, if you you give few quizzes, you know, solve some questions, and it will give you like what kind of a person you are. And that what kind of a person you are is a personality, and that drives like how you act in various situations. That gives your soft skills because, for example, let's say there is a uh, hole in the road, right, and somebody falls into that, like in a pit in the road, and somebody falls into that. Now you have, as an individual, you have three options right there. Like you can call nine one one nine one one, or you can go ahead and like try to pull that person out, or you look for the person around you who can pull that person out, right? Now, based on one of the options which you choose, it gives your personality. Like, let's say you chose 911, right? So you are a very aware person who wants to help that. But you are not, you are aware of yourself that you know that you might not be able to solve that problem, but you know that how to solve that problem and whom to contact. We showed you are like so what kind of a personality you are. Now, how you act on that situation? Are you going to call yourself or are you going to go and talk to that person? That shows like how your soft skills are. Whether you are a communicator, whether you have the adaptability to a situation, or do, are you a leader in the group? So that is the difference between soft skill and personality. And we have quantified both of them so that it's not like I, I won't say that uh, this is a very uh, let's say a very adaptable person, right? I'll say, okay, on a scale of adaptability, adaptability, I consider as a soft skill. You are somewhere seven or eight on a scale of 10 and your head is very strong and you're a very ideal person. So ideal becomes your personality and adaptive, adaptable becomes your soft skill. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Sort of the combination of the of those three. And I would imagine they probably influence each other to some extent. Highly using adaptable as an example, a highly adaptable person is probably drawn to the certain types of hard skills that you know someone who's low on adaptability might not not be drawn to. Is that is that true or is that an unfair assumption? Oh, so so yeah. That's that's a research which is ongoing. Like we are doing that research right now. We are trying to find. What kind of a hard skills usually people attain when they have some kind of soft skill of personality? And this is very interesting. Like they are, uh, we did one analysis over like 400, 500, I guess a number of 500 people, we gave them some quizzes and asked them like, okay, just go solve this quiz, get your personality result, and then see what kind of profession or vocation matches to your personality. And our Success rate was around 93% said, oh, this is what I wanted to do or this is what I should do. Like there was a woman in California who is right now a software engineer, but she always wanted to become a chemist, right? And that came as her personality driven vocation result. So we are pretty sure that there is a, let me use a data science word, there's a correlation between personality and the vocation. But right now it's a hypothesis and as and when we'll get more and more data, I guess it will prove itself out. Hmm. 
That's fascinating. So I'm hearing you describe that we're still maybe in early stages of defining some aspects of these these correlations, but some of it has already become pretty clear. Right. So so it, it's very simple. Let's say you run an organization of 200 people, right? And there's a manager in your firm. Uh, and he wants to hire someone who will work for him, right? So his subordinate. If he goes and posts a job and all those things. But with our system, he can look what kind of a person he is and what are his skills. And then let's say someone new comes up and he or she looks him as a person like we want to become like that manager. He That manager can guide those, that new person who has come into your company that, okay, you need to follow this soft skills, you need to follow this core skills, and you need to have this personality to become something which I am today. And, and personality, the interesting thing about personality is it is ever changing, right? It is depending on the situation. So that is something we can track also. And that makes you hire better. And that makes, let's say, a candidate or an employee grow much faster, much better than any kind of setup. So what makes for a better team? A team that is largely similar on some of these domains, like similar soft skills or similar personality traits, or one that's very, very different uh, on all of these. Like there's one person who's this type of personality, there's another person who's that type of personality. Those might be in conflict, but now you have more breadth of ideas and perspectives. What makes for a better team? Uh, that's a very good question. Now it depends on what kind of department you are looking. Let's say you are in R&D, right? You want to do research. You need to get more and more ideas in the research, right? So you will always have people who are having like conflicting ideas. Like, okay, if you say blue is the new black, you need someone who is going to say orange is the new black. Because then it gives you a spectrum, right? But let's say you run a product management, right? You need someone who is developing product and they are just product developers, right? You need them to work in unison. Then you'll get people who are usually similar uh, in how they approach, in how they work. Now, the thing is, what we are doing is we are trying, we are asking companies to define their own culture, the departmental culture. culture. Let's say you, all, you are an established institution and you already have a team and department. Go ahead, look at your current employees, how they look like. And then find the new employees who will sit in this domain of employees which you have right now. I read a very interesting story, case study by, I guess, Google. They don't usually hire people who is extremely talented and is conflicting to their team. Because when they get, when they come in, it might disbalance their team. Now, I, I don't know how true is this story, but there, there is always, a, I believe there is a rhombus kind of a situation. It's not particularly square or it's not particular rectangle it's a rhombus which is it is tapered on every side and people usually try to fit in that boundary and that's what like data science also does like it converges to a point where it makes starts making sense and that's what software or like let's say anyone in the world wants to do with their company like they want to get like more and more candidates closer to what they have right now and then it starts making sense to them, okay, now people are not leaving, people are growing together because they think alike, they talk alike, they want the same outcome at the end of the day. But as I said, it's very, very, very much related to what department we're building. Got it. Okay, so we've been talking about how we can get the right people in the right roles based on the combination of these three areas, hard skills, soft skills, and personality. Let's look at this from the perspective of a leader or a manager. So now you have your people in your, on your team or in your department. 
What's the best way for us to groom people and to develop them and grow them based on these three legs of the stool? Or I, if we wanted to pick one, maybe let's start with personality. How, how do we, as leaders, groom people based on their personality and then similarly on soft skills and, and hard skills as well? Right. So let's start with personality. Personality is something which I believe it's more event-driven, right? Like Let's say uh, when we were 20, we might have a different personality. We might have different whole outlook on how our life is going to be, how what is our purpose, and what's the reward outlook we will have. But as you reach till 30, your whole outlook changes. Now you are more profession-driven. You want to do something good in your life. You want to now save money towards your 401ks and all those things, right? And when you reach 40, and now you are like, okay, I need to invest something so that when I retire, I have enough money. When you reach to 50, you are like, okay, now I just need, need to invest money. You are not now purpose-driven or profession-driven or anything. It's like at the end of the day, you are like trying to get the reward. And now you are teaching and preaching other people, right? So personality changes usually with the age and the events which are happening to you. So when we say about grooming the personality, it's usually related to where you want to be. Like, let's say you want to be someone who wants to get more and more and more money, right? You want to become a billionaire and then a uh, hundred billions and a thousand billion, maybe the first billionaire of the world. You need to understand that kind of a person and give him or her that opportunity where his reward is fulfilled. As a leader, like when I see in my organization, what kind of people are there? Are they purpose-driven? Are they reward-driven? Or are they very strict professionals? Like, okay, I, I, I can get anything done. So then I place them in a job role where it makes more sense to them. Let's say they're salespeople, right? Like, for example, they're a salespeople. Again, I'm not calling anyone out, but let, let's say there are salespeople who live on commissions, right? And if there is someone who wants to make, like, let's say $500,000 a year living in Dallas, and they are hitting their, and, and their goal is like, let I'll go out today and I'll get like 100 of deal and I'll mark, I'll hit my numbers. And the problem is, do we know that kind of a person? And if we know that kind of person, are we giving them that opportunity? So as soon as I know the personality of the person, I can give them that opportunity to grow in my own organization rather than them looking on the LinkedIn for the next new job, which is paying them that kind of reward. Now, when I come to the soft skill, soft skill is it's much easier to groom because let's say you are, and when I come to soft skill, there's one more thing which I need to discuss. That is the competency, like the functional competency. I need to know whether my employee wants to grow on technical field, business field, or they want to switch the function completely. When I know that, I can groom that person because every function in any business requires certain set of soft skills. For example, I want to be in marketing. I need to have a very creative head. I am in sales. I need to be a better communicator. I am in technology. I need to have a leadership and an adaptability and a problem-solving skill. Now, if I want to move ahead in technical skill, let's say I want to be a principal architect of a company, I need to up my game in problem-solving. And I see, okay, this guy is like, let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, 3 on problem-solving. Then I can, I can recommend some courses like go do this courses, go do the puzzles, go do this. Uh, other activities which are not related to your job that will help solve your problem solving. And over a period of time, I, I'll see, oh, okay, now from three, that guy has moved to seven on problem solving, which will impact his hard skills also because now you are a problem solver. You are a go-getter now. 
And as soon as you'll get a new problem, because your other the soft skill mind of problem solving is running, you'll be able to think of this technical, solve this technical problem in 10 different ways. And you will figure out, oh, okay, now I need to learn, let's say AWS also. Now I need to learn Azure also. And then some new third party tool comes in. I need to learn that also so that I solve my problem much faster. And that is all happening because I, somewhere as a leader, help that person soft skill in problem solving become uh, much better because I already knew what kind of a person that was and where he or she wanted to grow, like if it was technical field or business field or a functional change. So that's how you manage your employees so that uh, I, I, right now I, I won't talk about retention, like whether you'll be able to retain them, but you'll be definitely able to help them grow into a much better professional at the end of the day. And I guess as a leader or a manager, that's my end goal. Now, do these ideas of it's it sort of seems like as we go down this path of hard skills soft skills and personality trait it, it seems like the farther we go down that the more squishy it it sort of seems like you can measure someone's hard skills like can they do a task and soft skills you can measure them but maybe it's a little harder like are they a good leader well what's a good leader it looks like this and not like that and then personality traits it's like i, I don't know it gets harder so how do we you obviously bring a lot of data science to this this idea how how does the average person use data science to better understand these three legs of a stool for a given person and then use that in order to optimize this person's performance right so there is a product like maya maya which is coming in the market in the next 15 days that is for especially b2c market like all the customers around the world, all the individuals around the world, they can download it, they can put in their resumes, they can they can do some sprints and then they can see what kind of soft, what soft skill level they are at. So it's the first time, I guess, I want to say, because we got the patent on it, the first time in the world, someone has quantified the soft skill, which makes them like, okay, as I told you, like on a scale of one to 10, I can tell you like, okay, you're seven at this or six at that. And when you see like, let's say you are two at communication and you want to grow yourself to three or four there are hundreds and thousands of courses around the world like different companies offer different kind of different kind of courses the thing is right now the traditional ways we hear that someone says oh you need to improve your communication skill then you go and then you learn three courses but do you know how much you have improved there with that three courses so that is something which you can track with this app because it has a data science algorithm behind it which measures your learning also. And it's a situational questions, right? So this is something which I have seen pretty much happening in around in my life and around my, all the people whom I meet and talk about it. As soon as you learn something, there has to be a delta change in either positive direction or negative direction in your aptitude. Somewhere it has to be. And when you learn something very positive, there is always a positive delta change. I have never seen someone who learned, let's say, Soft, they did a soft skill program, some kind of a communication program, and their communication went from good to bad. This never happens. This will be good to delta good, right? It might be very small change, but that change will be there. So that is what we are measuring right now. You just brought up a really fascinating idea. This, and let me make sure I understand correctly what it was you just suggested, but it sounds like what you're saying is that when we learn anything, the outcome is always good. Right. Like it, it, so learning is usually a, it's how our brain functions, right? Let's say you want to become a chef, right? So the first thing you will do is like, let's say the first job is like beating the eggs to make the omelet, right? 
And first time you might not do it correctly. Then you learn like how to do it correctly. And then you practice and practice. And then eventually you become better at it, right? So that's how the learning is. Like you were an engineer and then uh, let's talk in terms of technology. You are a software engineer, right? First time you go, you are a fresh undergrad college graduate who goes to, let's say, a big company. You sit for the very first time on your desk and you start coding something. You won't code it correctly because you don't know the environment yet, right? And then over a time, like after two years, when you get your first promotion, that signifies, that tells us that you got your first promotion, not because you were in this company for two years. You were in this company for two years. You have learned something and that has made a significant change in you. That is why you're getting a promotion. Or let's say you didn't get the promotion also, but you were in their company delivering something for two years. That means you have learned something. And that happens for anything and everything. It's the same with the soft skill, same with the personality. The type of people you sit with, the type of people you speak with, that influences your personality in some way, in like delta change. And it is always like, when I say delta change, it might be like, or something, it might be negative also. Let's say you are a very reward-looking person, like you want always money. But you start sitting with all the philanthropists and NGOs and NPO people, and they are surrounded by you always, like 24-7, you are around them. And for uh, with the, like uh, in that surrounding, you were there for like, let's say five years there's a huge chance chances that you will be a convert. You will be someone from a reward to now a philanthropist. And that happens because that's the surrounding you give. And when I talk to technology leaders, that's what I tell them. Like, you want to manage your employee, understand your employee, and then put them in an environment where you want them to grow. If they want to like be a more communicator, put them in that position where everyone around them is talking. And so, so that, that's how you learn, right? Or give them some courses or make them do the first delta thing and measure that thing. That's how, that, that's how data works, right? I love it. Yeah, yeah, super fascinating. So as our, uh, our time together here comes to a close, what have I not asked you about that I should have? Or what's something that you want to leave our audience with on this idea of how we can, you know, essentially use data to help groom people and develop their careers on the three legs of this stool? Right. So, so I'll, I'll tell you to, I, I won't say that go ahead or from this day onward to stop all the traditional methods, but I'll say like, take the first step towards a new change because the new generation, let's say the new workforce who are in between 22 to let's say 38, that's the generation of like around 16 years. That gap. that age is very volatile. And right now I believe the generation is Instagram generation. That's what I call them because everything is flashy. Everything is on the social media, news feeds, everywhere. It is, right. So they don't know what they are doing. And when they get like confused at the age of 30, 31, 32, they have the midlife crisis because they don't know what to ask. And when they have that crisis, they usually take the wrong decision, which is they might be leaving their jobs. They might be looking for only reward outcomes. Help them understand who they are so that they can grow and be a better professional. So that we don't have like this problems like the great resignation or there is no company culture. Because the company culture comes from the people. And if your people are so confused about themselves, how you are going to create that culture? I love it. Well, Samir, thank you so much for coming to the show and sharing some wisdom. I think a, a lot of people will have learned a tremendous amount, myself included, from what you shared today. Thank you so much, Ted, for calling me. It, it, was, it was a really nice experience. Absolutely. To check out what Samir is up to or learn more about the show, just head over to tedharrington.com backslash podcast, and we'll catch you next time. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. 
Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.